Hello and welcome to episode two of Learning at Work, a podcast about how learning happens in the workplace. My name is Gabe Gloga. Each week, I talk with my friend and co-host Doug Weitz about whatever topics we're wrestling with and try to help each other clarify these ideas and hopefully add a little knowledge and insight to the world of workplace learning. This week, we dig into the idea of imposter syndrome, that feeling that you don't deserve the position that you're in, that people think you're more knowledgeable or capable than you really are. It's a very common emotion in the workplace, especially among first-time managers, but it can rear its head with any change of role. Doug discusses where he sees it pop up in his coaching work, and we talk about how to tame it and bring yourself and your team into alignment in a way that builds trust and unleashes productivity. This podcast is brought to you by Cultivate Me, which helps people and organizations use their everyday work as a platform for growth, both as professionals and as people. If you're curious about any of the ideas we discuss on the show, or you just want to connect, you can always send an email to hello at cultivateme.xyz. We'd love to hear from you. And now, on to the show. Hi, Doug. Hello, Gabe. Are you the real Doug, though? Or are you just... <laughs> I'm an just imposter. an imposter. I don't, so I don't you, think an imposter thinks of themselves as an imposter. <laughs> I think that's the, whole, that's the whole thing, is that you think you're an imposter. But maybe right, you but you're not imposter. An actual imposter would not think of themselves as an imposter. Yeah, I feel like I've already reached the point where when you write a word over and over and over, it doesn't look like that word anymore. Yes, yes. Imposter is starting to sound like some sort of brand product name for a fake pasta. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great name for like wheat. It's yeah, it's, some kind it's of... made from plants. Wait a minute. <laughs> Impasta. It's pasta that's made from meat. <laughs> Brilliant. So, so you want to talk about imposter syndrome. Why? What is it? Why do you care? Yeah. That's the big deal. Why do I want to talk about imposter syndrome? So in, in coaching people, mostly managers for quite, quite a few years now, I have found that almost every manager suffers with imposter syndrome. Mm. So just to set the stage for a second, like what is a manager? A manager is somebody who wasn't a manager before and was doing their job and was presumably doing it really well. Right. I mean, th this is this is how I think most people get promoted. And I think it's not the right way to get promoted, but it's how, mm -hmm. how it happens most of the time. Yeah. You're doing a great job at your job and the powers that be recognize that you're doing a great job and they want to somehow reward you. And there's really not a lot of options in terms of how to reward somebody and show the rest of the um organization, like this is somebody we want to elevate. This is somebody we believe in. This is somebody who deserves, you know, a bigger role, right? All we've got is manager, right? It's like, you know, the whole, mm -hmm. everything looks like a nail if you're a hammer kind of thing. Right, right. Um, so they make the person a manager and, and the person feels 
honored and celebrated and feels good about being a manager. It's a pro- a promotion by any measure. It's a raise, you know, it's, it's uh, more sort of gravitas in the organization. It's all good stuff, but the person doesn't necessarily have any idea how to be a manager, right? They know how to be a, a badass player. Um, and, you know, the position of manager, I feel like this is an overgeneralization and oversimplification of what a manager is, but essentially there are like two sides to being a manager. There's the, um, you know, high performer who's kind of a role model for the team. Mm-hmm. And there's a caring for the team and helping the teams, the members of the team to be successful. Now with the first one, the high performer, no problem. This person was a high performer. That's why they got you know, named a manager in the first place. But with the caring for other people, that's a skill that you either need to be born with and, you know, have sort of um, natural inclinations towards or learn and develop, right? It's not just something that, you know, every manager sort of arrives with, right? And so in talking to all these managers over the years, I swear it may be a hundred percent of them feel like, I'm not really sure why I'm a manager and I don't really know what I'm doing, but I don't want anybody to know I don't know what I'm doing because in this moment in particular, I need to really look like I know what I'm doing. Otherwise people will think I got promoted to manager and it wasn't fair. Like I shouldn't have been. Mm -hmm. All right. So pull on, pull on that. The anxieties that come the like, what if I'm found out? Right. Then, then what happens? And it might, it might not be true, right? What's that Mark Twain quote? I've known many troubles in my life, most of which never actually happened. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Right. Whether or not it's true is completely irrelevant. I mean, it's a good question. It's relevant in the sense that it's a really important question. I think most of the time it's not true, but it's in your head. Yeah. And so, so what I, what I want to explore a little bit is what is that vision of doom yeah. that will happen, that they are imagining will happen, true or yeah. otherwise, if they are found out to be, quote unquote, an imposter. So let's look at the different kind of players in the, in the, the drama, right? If they are found out to not know what they're doing, their boss might say, oh, my God, I've made a terrible mistake in promoting this person to manager this isn't working, you're fired, right? Mm-hmm. That's a fear. That's pretty mm-hmm. scary. That your manager was, was like living a lie, that their assumption and assessment of what you're capable of was wrong. Yes. Yeah, okay. And now you're out of a job or you're yeah. just embarrassed, you know? Um, right. I guess at best, you're embarrassed. Right. And then there's the other side because with managers, there's always sort of these two sides. There's the up and the down, right? The up is their boss. Yeah, yeah. Perceiving that they made a mistake. And the down is like their people, the people who are looking to them for leadership. Yeah. Say, their direct oh God, reports. This guy doesn't know what they're doing. What, Which what? means what? What happens when they say that, when they realize that? They don't have faith in you as a manager, as a leader. They don't want to follow you. They don't listen to you. They don't respect you. And yeah. In some cases, because sometimes, you know, a manager role is sort of up for grabs between a few different people. 
and presumably some people didn't get it when you got it, they're mm. going to be resentful. Bitterness, going, well, resentful. Yeah. I don't get it. Like this guy got promoted to manager and I didn't. And clearly he has no idea what's going on and how to do this job. And I would have done a great job. It's not fair. Right. And then there's this terrible resentment, which is like a cancer on a team. Right. So a new manager is clinging to a lifeboat while floating in an ocean of potential social shame. Yes. (laughs) All around. Your people won't respect you. Your managers will, will doubt you and think less of you. Of course, all this is just living inside of their mind as a potential future that may or may not be real or based on anything other than their own self-doubt or anything like that. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've certainly felt some of that. Oh, so have past, I. Right. I mean, there's definitely the one thing that's, that's weird about what I remember when I was first became a manager is, you know, people certainly immediately start treating you differently, at least the people on your team in, in differently than you're used to being treated. And what I experienced is uh, number one, they thought I had everything figured out. Mm-hmm. And number two, they thought I was really busy all the time. So it's all like, hey, do you have the answer to this? And most of the time I was like, mm, no, I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't that I couldn't figure out the answer. It was just that I, I didn't feel like I had that sort of immediate encyclopedic knowledge uh, that they all, not they all, but you know, that many people kind of assumed I did with the way that they interacted with me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second thing was that everyone was just like, I know you're really busy, but <laughs> do you have a second for it? And I was like, actually, my job is to have a second for you. Like that's literally the job description is to make time for you. Well, that's um, funny that way you're describing it because that's almost the opposite of what, what I've seen, which is that you're not re- like as a manager, you're, you're, you're expected to continue to do the great work that you were doing before you became a manager and also be a manager. Yeah. See, that to me feels like a failure of role design of like, um, so I I, want to go back to a second uh, because you reminded me of a, a little kind of mental model I have that I think, and we've talked about this somewhat in the form of the uh, hunter versus farmer. Right. But Mm -hmm. I think a manager, in my opinion, has a sort of dual responsibility around productivity and development. And the productivity side, I would say, is, you know, ensuring the team meets their targets on time, right? Like your team has a function and it is to do certain work or produce a certain output, hit certain targets by a certain deadline. And then, and if that doesn't happen, the manager is the one that's held accountable for that. So however they choose to do that is their own management style, but like that's the productivity side of it. And I think that's the side that most, in my experience, most people most closely associate with the word manager, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, the sort of negative stereotype being like the guy that's cracking the whip, you know, hurry it up, get to work. Yeah. Um, Right. And the one who kind of gets the glory if the team is successful and right, right, right. feels the heat if the team is not. The other side of it is developing your people, right? Like we don't just build products, we build people. That's, that's my role as a manager because if you're taking the long view, that's going to 
ultimately impact that first productivity side of things, right? If your people become more effective, it's also the thing that falls by the wayside the fastest when deadlines are close or there's kind of more projects on your plate than you maybe have the capacity for. And that's a big part of what, you know, uh, you and I think about a lot uh, with Cultivate Me and what we do. Well, those two things are directly connected. Like the short-term nature of the delivering, you know, uh, productivity. Like if you think of the productivity um, sort of piece of the puzzle as like a creature, right? That Mm -hmm. only cares about productivity. And you think of the development side as another creature that only cares about developing people. The productivity side doesn't care about the future. It just cares about like now, like we need to get this debt. The deadline is in an hour. The deadline Mm -hmm. is in a day. The deadline Mm -hmm. is in a week. All we care about is meeting that deadline. We don't care if we crush ourselves and are incapable of doing the next job because Mm we had to sacrifice everything to hit this deadline. Like that's all it cares about. Mm-hmm. And the uh, development side really is a more long-term approach. It's like, it's going to take time and energy and effort to develop people, but and, sorry. And that might prevent us from hitting the next deadline or it, we might sacrifice some level of quality in the work for the next deadline. But in the long run, our next deadline and the one after that and the one after that and the one after that, we will be crushing. Right. Because we put in the, we made an investment in the people. Right. So, so in these, a lot of the managers that I talk to that are kind of up against these deadlines are struggling with the fact that they can't find the time or justify the time of developing their people, but they're all talking about how burnt out they are. And how burnt out their teams are, yeah. you know? Well, that, sorry, go ahead and finish. You, no, 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 okay. go ahead. The, I, I want to get back to imposter syndrome. Me too. But the, um, the tension that you're identifying is precisely why we created Hitch a Ride on your day job. Because there's that, there's that assumption, that tacit assumption that development and growth steal time from productivity, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That it's, it's sort of this binary choice. Do I want to get better or do I want to be productive? And, and our whole philosophy is that you can get better by being productive, right? If you just shift your mindset and take a couple minutes to reflect every day on like what you're doing and where you're getting stuck. Um, but I digress. So uh, we, we've kind of outlined some of the tensions with the role of management and some structures around management. And we've highlighted the, uh, Hopefully, and I think mostly false um, uh, future that managers fear mm-hmm. if they are discovered as you know to be the imposters they feel that they are. Are are they really imposters though? Like how do you how do you deal with imposter syndrome? How do you get over that? Well, yeah, great question, and I love I love that you said are they really imposters? And I think the answer is yes. Everybody who takes on a new role is an imposter at first, mm. right? I think the problem is that people try to pretend they're not an imposter, mm. right? They, they know they're an imposter, but they don't want anybody else to see that they're an imposter. So they're playing this like 
game in their heads where they're pretending to be somebody they're not. And I think, and I think this is what your question is sort of getting at is like the key to getting through the period of imposter syndrome is admitting you're an imposter for a moment. right? Right. And just saying like, thanks for the new role of manager, just to be clear, I'm not yet the manager I want to be. Right now, I'm an imposter. (laughs) I will be spending the next three months, six months, year trying to, you know, fit into this suit that you've just given me to put on, Mm. you know? Mm. Um, And that's going to take work and it's going to take attention and I'm going to make mistakes. And it would be great if you as my manager would be here for me so I can be honest and work on this. And it would be great if you guys, my team, would recognize that like I'm work, I'm developing right alongside you. It's just that what I'm developing is the ability to be a manager, while what you're developing is the ability to do your jobs. Like yeah. we're both developing the ability to do our jobs. It's just that we have different jobs. Yeah. And and not admitting that not only sort of like oh, diffuses the tension, which is very stressful around, you know, pretending you're not an imposter while you know you are an imposter. It also showing that vulnerability to your teammates really kind of like disarms, I've found disarms Mm. people, Mm -hmm. right? No longer are they like out to get you because you're pretending to know everything and they know you don't. Mm -hmm. You're now saying, I don't know everything. And I, you know, I'm going to need your help and, and I'm going to be yeah. learning right alongside you. And I'm, 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 if I'm not the best manager at first, I'm sorry, I'm trying and I'm going to continue to work on this. Um, you know, but stick it out with me. Like I promise I'm working at it. You know, it, yeah. it sort of, it makes it far less fun for the people on your team who want to get you to get you. <laughs> Yeah, well, because you've diffused that, right? Is like anyone who, first of all, let's hope no one on your team is out to get you. <laughs> Though it happens, right? Like, I, I don't want to be naive. Um, well, it especially happens if somebody else on your team thought that they deserve to be the manager. Yeah, that's that's a really, that that's a whole episode in and of itself, so, uh, yeah. you know, how to deal with that kind of dynamic. Um I might not use the word imposter literally when I'm (laughs) talking to my team, but I think everything you said was, I mean, I certainly agree with it all like that. I mean, it's just plain speaking, you know, Uh, it takes a tremendous amount of energy to be an imposter, Mm -hmm. right? You have to wear this mask. You have to um, manage expectation. Well, I don't want to say manage expectations, maybe manage the wrong expectations, but I can't think of the phrase right now. Well, uh, pretend, you're pretending like to, to pretend to be something you're not is exhausting. You're maintaining a facade, right? Mm-hmm. That, that was the phrase I was looking for. And it's in like, when you do that, you have to live in two realities simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And that takes a tremendous amount of cognitive energy because you're constantly thinking about what's the real situation. You know, what is the actual reality that I'm dealing with, the decisions that I have to make, the skills that I'm not up to snuff on, and what is the reality that I would like my manager or my team to perceive about me, you know? Um, And that like that just quickly spirals out of control in terms of complexity and the mental energy required. So when you said it's a huge relief, um, I think one of the reasons that 
that it feels so relieving is because you've just reduced your energy output by like 50%. Yeah. Well, it's no. even more than 50% because you're pretending to be there. I think there are three very challenging things going on in addition to doing the job, right? Mm-hmm. One is pretending to be somebody you're not for your manager, mm-hmm. right? Pretending like you made the right decision. I am great at this already, even though I just started. Um, there's pretending to be the leader you want your people to think you are for mm-hmm. your people. So mm-hmm. there's two. And then there's the fact that you have nobody to talk to about how you're honestly feeling and nobody to work with on actually developing what you need to develop in order that to That is good. huge. Yeah. That is huge. And I, I hear that from managers all the time. They are far and away the most isolated demographic in an organization because they all lead teams, but there's no team of managers. Now, maybe well, even if there was, some, they wouldn't admit, no one would be like, guys, we're all managers here. Just have to let you know, I'm really struggling and I have no idea what I'm doing. I, no one's going to say that. I've, that's not what I've seen. Um, oh, okay. I think they'll say it when the right psychological safety is in place. Sure, sure. When, you know, the right facilitator, if you will, or leader has crafted and held a space where they can let that mask down. Though, of course, there's there's always political dynamics the higher up in an organization you get. Um, and, you know, we wear all sorts of masks for all sorts of people. Um, but uh, actually, I've noticed a couple patterns with that. So when I've done manager training, the best manager trainings are are when I have a cohort of people that don't really know each other. Mm -hmm. They've come from different parts of the organization. They don't work with each other a whole lot. The ones that have been less effective, where the conversation has been more stifled, where the psychological safety, despite my best efforts, has not been what I would like it to be is when they're all colleagues, like they're, they're all on the same team, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's Jane's team of 10 managers. It, it, they're just too close and they have too many interwoven, interlocking dependencies. And to some degree, they might all be competing for, you know, the same promotion, right? So it's much harder to take that mask off. Yeah. In that kind of a setting. Whereas if it's like, you're taking a much bigger risk in taking the mask. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. 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 The, the, the perceived risk is, is way higher. The real risk could be way higher. Um, but I, like, I just continue to hear managers say like, I feel alone. I, um, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm dying to know if I'm the only one with this challenge. Yes. That is huge because I mean, you said the word isolating before, Right. I think mm-hmm. part, part of what isolates managers is there the feeling that I'm probably the only one struggling with this. And that, I guess, is the big point I'm trying to make in this episode is like, not only are you not alone, everybody is feeling this. Right. Every new manager feels like an imposter. The only difference is that some sort of admit it and come clean and then start working on developing themselves and others hide behind masks and exhaust themselves and don't really develop themselves. If organizations are looking to improve the quality of their managers, I feel like one of the fastest 
and cheapest ways to do it is to find a couple managers that are feeling this way and and get them together and talk about it, you know, and then and then let it kind of uh, roll from there, like you know, like like a snowball from there, if you will. It's just create some space. I mean, if you want to get really really tactical, it might be uh, you know you set up a twice monthly meeting, right, with a handful of managers that you feel like would be open to this um, and that, you know, that trust you where where you feel like you can create a a psychologically safe place to start having these conversations and you just open it up. And it's going to be, it's going to feel like uh, in my experience, it's going to, it's going to feel like a confessional or like an AA meeting, right? Is everyone like, Oh, I can let my mask down. I can talk about what I'm worried and people are going to love it. It's going to feel so um, cathartic. Yeah. Right. And then word's going to get around and like, you don't, I don't want to say you don't need manager training. There's plenty of outside knowledge that's really valuable that can be brought in. But I think the biggest barrier to management performance and management development in most organizations is that mask, right? Is that feeling that like they have to, they, 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 they can't show any weakness, you know? Um, well, they have to keep up appearances, right? Keep up appearances. That was the other, I said, maintaining a facade. Keeping up of appearances is actually the phrase I was trying to find. Um, uh, and like people will develop really fast. And it, it's not even about development, I think. Uh, although it is like development is certainly part of it. You want people to build skills and better intuition and, you know, learn how to communicate and delegate and all that stuff. But it comes down to team performance. Like, like how much, is your team's performance suffering because you're keeping up appearances, mm-hmm. right? And by simply having the courage or the comfort to, to level with your team and say, look, I know I'm not the world's greatest manager or most perfect manager. I'm not, I love your phrase. I'm not the manager I want to be for you guys yet, yes. you know, and leveling with them. Like how much tension would that release in the team? How much improved communication uh, would that unleash? And as a result, you know, how much faster or more effective or high quality uh, is the work going to become? Hashtag embrace imposter syndrome. Embrace imposter syndrome. Be an <laughs> imposter. Yeah. Own, own being an imposter. Yeah. It's, I mean, the second you own being an imposter, you have broken imposter syndrome. Because now you're not pretending you're someone you're not. Well, now you're not an imposter. Because an imposter is someone who pretends. Right. By, right. by admitting. But what, what your you mean? I, here's, here's what I think you mean when, if, if I were to say, I am feeling imposter syndrome, what I'm really saying is, I feel like I'm pretending to be better than I am. Let me take it a step further. I think it's, I'm not as good. I don't feel like I'm as good as other people think that I am. Or expect me to be. Yeah, but, but if I say, I am not as good as you're expecting me to be, <laughs> right? You just sort of embrace it and own it and wear it. Well, then how can anybody expect you to be better? You're saying, you're, you're agreeing with with uh god it's it's like elusive a little bit 
Um, it feels like a Zen cone. Well, it's, you it's, know, like it's once about, you admit to being an imposter, you are no longer an imposter. Yes, but you know? I, I, it's, I agree with it, though. It's like you diffuse it the second you admit it, the second you own it, which is probably true about most things. Yeah. Owning it. Owning it. Owning your. Owning your real, your true fluency. Well, it's like one of the things we used to talk about a lot was um, how you shouldn't be, you shouldn't hire people for a job that they can already do perfectly. Mm. Not because they won't do a great job, but because they will instantly be bored (laughs) because they can already do it. Right. Right. You want to hire somebody for a job that they have the potential to be able to do and are motivated to try to reach for. But you want them to have some, you know, room to grow, somewhere to go, somewhere that they can something to strive for. They, They want to pursue dynamic quality. Right. Yes. Whether it's about themselves or about. Uh, you know, the goals of the organization or the product that they're managing or like they they want to pursue that dim apprehension of something better, right? And if if everything around them is just static patterns that they've seen before and they already know how to do, then you're right. They check out that 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 sense of possibility is is not there. Right. So like what so maybe in part it's incumbent upon whoever or who, you know, the organization, when they announce somebody as a manager to sort of make clear to the organization, like, here's what it means when we make somebody a manager. Mm. We don't mean that they're already a good manager. We mean that they've got some real qualities that we are looking for in managers. Mm. They've got the respect of their teams already as mm-hmm. you know equals mm-hmm. and they are ready to take on a new challenge. Right? And and then like if you think about it that way then it's not that the moment you become a manager you're already a great manager. The moment you become a manager is the beginning of a challenge period where you are becoming a manager. Well, and that's where our frameworks come in, right? It's like, that's your journey. And yeah. so I, I think something that's been slightly rubbing me the wrong way about, about some of the things you've said so far is that sort of like admission of being an imposter or embracing the imposter. And I like, I, I get it. And I agree with you. Uh, I agree with the spirit of that. I think the way that that message is relayed or the way that you take off your mask as a manager to your people or to your superiors or whatever. uh, I think it does. I think it does matter. It does make a difference. And um, I wonder if framing, I mean, it's just like we say with all communication, like words matter, you know, and the wrong words can strike people the wrong way, even unintentionally. And, and having people's, respect and trust is important and it is easily affected with the wrong words. My point being, (laughs) I would want to take off the mask by sharing my development goals Mm -hmm. with my team rather than I'm making a slight caricature of what you're, what you've been saying. Right. But 
rather than it being a sort of confessional of my inadequacies. Yes. Right? Like I wouldn't want to be like, I know you guys have placed a lot of trust in me and we have some important deadlines coming up and you're hoping that I'll pull through and, and lead you guys, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You right, know? Right. <laughs> right. That's not that useful. Cause that's, right. that's, that's a dead end. That's like, I stink as opposed to like, here's what I, here's where I want to go and I need your support. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That that's it. And that there's nothing imposterly about that. No, I I guess you're killing the imposter. You're not yeah. embracing the imposter. You're like kill the imposter. Kill the imposter within. I there, I feel like there's a merch opportunity there with some sort of like voodoo doll <laughs> of yourself, and you could stab it. I don't maybe that's getting too much. Yes, yeah. No, but um, but but yeah, maybe that is more like what it is. It's not that you're embracing the imposter. You're just saying, there's no imposter here. I am who I am. And here's who I am. And I'm working towards some higher, you know, vision of myself. I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, one way to do it would be to sit down with your team and say, hey, guys, as you know, I've just been named the manager of our team. I'm super honored to be leading this team. I, you know, I love working with all you guys. I worked alongside of you for a while before I became the manager on this team. I'd love for us to have a conversation and sort of pin down like what we wish our manager was like, Mm. (laughs) you know, like I can, I was just one of you two seconds ago. So like I can speak to this too, but I want to hear your voices as well because I want to understand the kind of leader we wish we had on this team so that that's what I can strive for. Because if I can become that, we will be wildly successful. That's you know? a brilliant idea. That's a brilliant idea for, for so many reasons that you and I both know, but you know, like it's got the ownership aspect to it, right? Um, it, it forces people to be somewhat realistic, right? Now they can't kind of carry around some pie in the sky perfectionist vision of what a manager should be without really telling you and then sort of silently holds you to those standards. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it gets everyone on the same page, you know, yeah. around defining quality. This is what quality management looks like. And some of that is like also admitting, um, you know, like what's an acceptable margin of error? right? Nobody's going to be a perfect manager all the time. Nobody's going to nail all the meetings, going to delegate everything, you know, in an acceptable or understandable way. Like, what are you okay with me screwing up every once in a while, so to speak? Yeah. I feel like also, if you presented it like that, you know, you're eliminating all like the sort of middle school president kind of stuff. Like, we want free lunch every day and you to give us (laughs) unlimited vacation time. It's like, okay, that's fun. But if we, you know, we've got to recognize that, like, what are the qualities we want our manager to have and still have our team succeed? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, um, not turn this into Margaritaville. Right, you know? exactly. Yeah. Or may- maybe there is a component of that where, like, it would be great for team camaraderie if every Friday we all went out for drinks, you know? Right. Like there, there can be some of the middle school president right. stuff. As well, but, as- but it's being proposed in a realistic way, right? That's yeah. the middle school president angle is that it's, it's completely unrealistic. No, we can't all have free chocolate milk every lunch, you know, like, <laughs> sorry, maybe just on Fridays. How's that? You know? Right. Um, so there is the sort of, I, I don't want to call it negotiation, but a, a whittling down uh, to an acceptable reality. 
But it all speaks to to this this idea of like radical transparency, you know, mm-hmm. that like, you know, you take the imposter out of the situation, you kill the imposter. Now you have a clear and shared understanding between you and your people on your team, right? That like you're working towards something in the same way you expect them to be working towards something. You've got clarity uh, and a shared understanding with your manager of like, look, thanks for making me the manager, but I need to work at this to figure it out. And I'm going to need your support. And I'm going to ask you some questions because you were once probably in this position. Mm. Uh, You probably once felt like an imposter, you know, maybe you still feel like an imposter and you're just really good at wearing the mask. Um, so I'm going to be asking you some questions. I mean, I've, I've coached people who, who I coached into interviewing their manager and saying like, hey, how do you show up at a meeting and like get the whole thing done within the 45 minutes without going over mm. and without feeling frantic? How do yeah. you do it? How do you prepare for a meeting? Like, I, I don't, you know, I'm used to showing up at meetings that other people are running. I'm now running the meetings. What's your secret? Because you're great at running the meetings I sit in that you're running. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that would create a really wonderful, I mean, everybody wants to feel needed. Everybody wants to feel like they've got advice to give, right? And I, I think typically managers don't ask their managers about this kind of stuff because they don't. that would be admitting they don't have the answers. Yeah. Yeah. Which is part of imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. So the answer to imposter syndrome is radical transparency. Yes. Radical transparent. Because the imposter is sort of like a shadow, you know? And when you turn on all the lights through radical transparency, the shadows mm-hmm. disappear. That's poetry, my man. <laughs> right there. So you asked at the beginning right. before we hit record, do you think we can talk about imposter syndrome for 30 minutes? I, I mean, yes. Check. I think the answer is yes. Yeah. All right. Well, this was good. I look forward to the next one, Doug. Nice. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Gabe. Bye. Well, there you have it. Another episode of Learning at Work. I hope you found it fun and insightful. If you want to learn more about how Cultivate Me turns jobs into journeys, visit us on the web at cultivateme.xyz or send an email to hello at cultivateme.xyz. Be well, and I'll see you in the next episode.